Philippians 3, beginning at verse 12. This is God's holy and infallible word. Again, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we're actually just going to stop right there. Os Guinness opens one of his books, The Call, with a quote uh, from a, a prominent business person who was speaking at a conference. And this businessman said this, As you know, I've been fortunate in my career, and I've made a lot of money, far more than I ever dreamed of, far more than I could ever spend, far more than my family would ever need. And you could see the strength of character in this guy's face, but then he hesitated. And a single tear rolled down his tanned face, and he, he went on. To be honest, one of my motives for making so much money was really very simple, and it was to be able to hire people to do the things that I don't like doing. And then he went on and he said, but all my life I've never been able to hire anyone to do this one thing for me. With all my money and power, I've never been able to find my own sense of purpose and fulfillment. And I'd give anything to discover that. What that businessman was talking about is a struggle that we can all deal with. What am I doing with my life? What am I on this planet for? Guinness writes that after three decades of public speaking, this issue has come up more than any other in conversations that he's had with people. Now, Paul speaks of his heavenward calling. And that's another way to get at all of this. What is God calling me to in my life? What's my call? The Apostle Paul, in our verses, expresses a very strong sense of calling. He knew his purpose. You know, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And really, took hold means apprehended. I was seized by Christ. And we know that from the book of Acts. Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he was doing that to go and persecute followers of Jesus. We read that a bright light came from heaven, flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and at that moment, God seized Paul's life. He called him to be one of his followers, and even more particularly, he called him to be the greatest theologian and the greatest missionary that the church has ever seen. Everyone who belongs to the Lord has a life calling and a definite purpose, too. 
Just as surely as in Bible days, Jesus says, follow me. And some people experience that call in a powerful and dramatic and sudden way, a Damascus Road-like experience. Others have more of a gentle but persistent call on your heart over a period of time. However God does it, however he touches you, the meaning and the purpose he brings is just as profound, it's just as life-changing for everyone. There's a lot of talk about our call in the New Testament. And ultimately, this is what it's about. We all can have specific callings, right, to be maybe a father, a wife, a salesperson, a painter, a teacher, a student, a youth pastor, a church planter. But there's something else at the foundation of any of those other things that's the same for all believers. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about our job. It's a deeper call. And it's only when that call falls into place that you or anyone are going to find fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. Paul talks of not having already obtained all this, and he says, pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of him. So not having yet obtained all of this, he's talking about the verses earlier in chapter 3, which is why I've mentioned them a couple times that we read last week. And that's about belonging to Jesus, being found in him. We find true meaning and purpose when we answer God's call to know Jesus more and more in our lives. Accepting Christ and being saved is a one-time deal. But knowing Jesus and living for him, that doesn't happen overnight. That's a process. The great apostle Paul says he doesn't consider himself even to have already obtained all this or to have already been made perfect. In a few places, uh, like here, the Bible is describing this process as a race, a race, a journey, a pilgrimage. So related to what we're focusing on here, first of all, this morning, this, this profound call that gives meaning to our lives um, I just want to ask whether you have embraced this call that Paul is talking about. And uh, one, one way to do that might be to ask yourself, are you sitting in the pew watching other people give it their all for Jesus? Or do you also have your running shoes laced up and are you competing in the marathon with all God's children. Competing isn't easy. There are challenges along the way of reaching the goal. And uh, one that's clear from the Bible is that this challenge, this race, and why we could call it a marathon, uh, it's even more than that, though. It's 
a lifelong challenge, lifelong competing. Another major challenge, and this is what I want to focus on for a few minutes this morning, is in verse 13, forgetting what is behind. And when we're called and when we follow God's purpose for us, what we're told is don't look back. Don't look back. We've all got junk in our past that we wish wasn't there. Paul is telling us, don't let that hinder your progress today. Because we can get sidetracked by living in our past. And, and, and if, we, if we do, if we're looking back all the time with, with regrets, looking at our past sins, it's going to hinder our spiritual growth and progress today. Forget what is behind by God's grace. I heard a, a Christian speaker on, this, on a similar topic once, and, and he reminded people of Hernan Cortez, a Spanish explorer who lived in the first half of the 16th century. Maybe the name sounds familiar from school. Cortez, as this speaker shared, was a man driven by a sense of purpose and, and calling, and uh, like for other explorers, discovering and, and, and conquering new land was what drove him, and he didn't let anything stop that goal. He knew that to press ahead, you had to understand this principle. You had to forget what is behind. And when he was exploring Mexico, this, the, the account goes that many of his men became tired. They were weary, and they were sick of this difficult life of exploration, and they began to grumble. They, they're like, let's go back to Spain. It's so much more comfortable there. They say Cortez was so driven with purpose to continue forward that he commanded his men, burn the ships. We're not going back. And that's what they did. Our ships can hold a lot of burdensome cargo from our past. Hatred, regret in, for our part in relationships that have gone sour, personal failures, self-pity because we've been hurt and wronged by people, nagging guilt from our sins. The Bible says we need to burn those ships. Don't go back. Move on. And why and how can we do that? Well, why do we move on? It's because not moving on spits in the face of the real power of God in the lives of his people. Not moving on contradicts the very real, powerful, forgiving, redeeming power of the cross. Not moving on is going to rob us of our freedom and prevent us from following God's call for our lives today because our spiritual energy for moving forward is sapped. So the call is to burn the ships. Forgetting the past doesn't just mean forgetting past failures. It also means forgetting past successes. And the Bible is 
is really clear about this. Uh, we can forget that when we think about the past. Because human pride, you know, makes us have the, the, the tendency to be smugly satisfied with our past victories in life. Paul wasn't that way, and, and he had some significant past victories to boast of, and we read them last week. They're in Philippians 3, 4, 5, and 6. Paul records them, but then do you remember what he says about those victories? They're nothing. They're rubbish. They're trash. They're dung, literally, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And so Paul didn't want to let past victories hinder him today. And, and so we burn those past ships of victory as well as we go forward. So I played uh, some volleyball in high school. And one of the first things you have to learn when you play volleyball, and I know we've got at least a couple of volleyball coaches in our church. I'm not certain if they're here today. But I do know, and I can safely say this, um, one of the first things you have to learn when you play volleyball, and this is very, very basic, very basic stuff, okay? But when you serve, which happens outside the court, after you do that, you have to get in position to get ready for the ball when it comes back over the net. It's very obvious, but sometimes you forget, especially someone like me who, when I started playing, was very inexperienced at volleyball. So there can be a tendency, and this was mine, you know, to kind of watch your serve as it goes over, your, your awesome serve, how you might, you're going to get an ace or the other team's going to be diving and scrambling for it, and you're going to get a point for your team. But you can't admire your serve, no matter how incredible it is. You have to get right back in the game. Otherwise, what you'll be doing is leaving an open spot on the court that a good passer or hitter on the other team is going to put the ball in. you got to do a good job of serving, then get back right ready for the next challenge. And, and we can be so impressed with ourselves ultimately, right? With the success in the past that it takes our focus off the race we're called to continue to run. You know, we, we can, I, I think of, of stuff in our, in our lives as Christians. You know, we can think of how, how nicely and smoothly and graciously we handled that situation uh, with an ordinary difficult person at work. We can um, think of how, you know, be very prideful later on in life, like how we avoided the party crowd in high school or college. Or, or we can think about how we're relatively disciplined in our devotional life, in our worship attendance. All those things I mentioned are great victories, great victories, and we praise God for them. But if all our energy is spent on polishing trophies of the past, right? We're going to forget the fact that we're still in the middle of the race. We're going to forget the fact that we've got new victories to achieve, and we won't be ready to meet the new challenges that cross our path. I, I kind of 
think of myself as a pastor in this regard, uh, an example in my life would be um, just like a Sunday, the, the service that I put together, the sermon, and how that all went, and, and a good Sunday, and it felt like everything went really well, and uh, so many encouraging words. And then, but then Monday morning, guess what? I got new challenges to face, more stuff to do, not the least of which the very next Sunday, but also all the stuff during the week. I can't just kick back and, and rest on any laurels I might think I have, right? Do well, and by God's grace, keep doing well for whatever's next for you. And so that's the question here as we think about the challenge. Do you have ships that you need to burn today? Whether a ship has cargo that's pain uh, from failure or cargo that's more pride from a victory. Burn those ships because you've got a, a, a race to run today, brothers and sisters. Don't let looking back make, make you trip up over the new challenges that God has given us today. In a race, it's also, and, and this is a final thought this morning, about focusing ahead on the finish line. Paul writes, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whether you think of a, a business or a school or a church each one needs a particular goal that it's focused on so that they can be faithful to their calling. A school, for example, that doesn't put education first and align everything it's doing with that goal is not going to be successful as a school. And our lives, too, have to have a goal. We can know and we can accept our calling we can avoid the challenge, but what's the point if we don't have anything in particular to focus on? Paul had a bullseye he was aiming for. His goal, he says, was winning the prize, and that prize was Jesus. And like we saw earlier in the first part of Philippians 3, you and I are called to fellowship with Jesus Christ, to know him and his power, and one day we're going to experience that fully. And that's the prize that Paul was after. Perfect fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And, and the goal is ultimately our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives more and more. Sometimes I think we can forget about him, about Jesus, that he is the bullseye um, when we have so many other important things to focus on and good things in our life. Our job, working hard, working well, that's important. Loving our spouse, raising our kids if we've been blessed with children, building up the church together, spreading the good news, and a whole lot of other things, right? But first must come our relationship with Jesus. 
It's all about him. It's all about our Savior Jesus. All these other important things flow out of our relationship with him. But our Lord Jesus must be first. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is the prize. Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and the words that Paul uses when he talks about the goal, all those words imply intense concentration, unwavering focus, eyes on the prize. Talk to someone like Steve David, who's on sound today, what he's going to be doing in early September and what it takes for him to prepare for this. I think it's a triathlon, maybe more, or I don't know. But other, unwavering focus. You, you can't, that's, that's the prize. Everything's got to line up with that in order to do it, in order to compete. And, and so with determination, let us, as God's children, commit to organizing our life around achieving that goal of Jesus, achieving that goal of knowing Jesus. Let's get everything in sync so that we can stay focused on our goal and put away anything that hinders us. Um, there, and there are many ways that that could look. Certainly, we're called to be in the Word. We're called to be committed to a life of prayer. We're called to be active in God's family, the church where we are built up in the faith. We're called to love and serve others in the church and far beyond as Christ has loved us and how he came as a servant. And, 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 and speaking of Jesus, because of our own weaknesses and tendencies in all of this, we can be so thankful today for our precious Savior. He followed his call and purpose from God his Father perfectly. He never got off course, but with resolution and with focus, never once looking back, he followed the eternal plan to save lost people. From heaven to Bethlehem to Calvary to the tomb and back up to heaven, and, and from there, he's coming again one day, and he's going to take us his children to their eternal home. It's through the power of Christ's finished work that Paul has this drive at all and is able to press on. And it's the same for, for us. Not in your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, friends. Press on, burn your ships, Focus on Jesus more and more until when your race is won and a glorious rest will come. And then as that rest starts, Christ himself is going to put a, a gold medal of victory around your neck. And we and all God's children will enter into perfect fellowship with him in the new heavens and in the new earth. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, work uh, these words uh, from your word into our minds, our heads, into our hearts, and through our hands uh, to, to make a difference in this world, to serve and love, O oh God, as you have. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.